You're listening to a Good World Podcast. Presented by Good Organics. With your hosts, Garrett McMartin and Gary Beasley. Where we talk about good news. The kind that you want to hear. Sustainability. Small changes that protect our world. And the mind, body, and soul. Pretty much anything that we believe leads to a better future and a good world for everyone. Hi, Good World. Gary, Gary Beasley here. Nice to have you on, Paul. Hi, Good World, Paul Thomas here. I want to thank Gary Beasley. I want to thank Gary for inviting me on, man. I've been watching you guys, been watching the company for a while now, and I'm excited to see the growth. <laughs> yeah, man, that's excellent. We're, uh, we really took notice because I really noticed that you're trying to do some good stuff, what the education you're trying to bring in the light uh, just through your teachings and your practices. Uh, for all those that don't know, Paul is in hypnosis and he's been practicing and as well as going around and sharing education on various subjects and stuff. But he's really running the forefront, getting down and dirty and hitting the streets with this stuff. Do you want to tell us a little, bu- a little bit about it? Oh, yes, yes. So I'm a certified hypnotherapist. I've actually been doing this for about two years now. And when I first got hypnotized, because at first I didn't believe it, I found a mentor that was doing it on YouTube. He was hosting a boot camp. He went to school for it, so that made him eligible to certify people. So I went to his boot camp. It was six days, three days in the classroom, three days just outside, just hypnotizing all day, nonstop. So... So so you actually got hypnotized yourself before you got into it all? Yes, I actually got hypnotized myself, and that's what drove me and motivated me to keep to keep at it. I saw mm-hmm. how beneficial it actually was for healing purposes, and I just knew I had to share this with the world. Yeah, I think um, like when you're talking hypnosis, what does it mean to you, like? When I think about hypnosis, I think about like accessing the subconscious mind, kind of drawing out information that might be hidden in the back. Um, A lot of people see it as kind of a gimmick. But when you say like healing powers, I personally believe in the, the practice of reaching into the back of your mind and bringing out your core consciousness. But what does it mean to you? I'm glad you asked that too, and especially mentioning the subconscious mind. So when I go out on the streets, I try to make people comfortable because a lot of them have a misconception of what hypnosis is. Some of them seen the movie Get Out and think it's some kind of mind control, some kind of voodoo practice. (laughs) And others see stage hypnosis where people come on, make you do funny stuff, but that's all for entertainment. What I focus primarily on is hypnotherapy. So I explain it to people like this. 95% of what you do every day is controlled by your subconscious mind. So that means consciously you only got control of 5%. So with hypnosis, I help you tap into the other 95%. And in that stage, in that state, we can do things like reverse addictions, can't completely release mental health disorders, whether it's anxiety, PTSD, depression, I can make you more focused, more creative. I explain it is like, let's say your subconscious mind is a jar. I help you open that jar, release all the negative, all the negative beliefs and misconceptions and the pain and traumas that you've been holding on. 
And once I release that, I make room for positive habits, for for affirmations, for courage. I'll put it in there and it stays with you for the rest of your life. It's like hitting that reset button on your mind. Wow. So yeah, just uh, like, do you do boot camps as well then or? That's actually coming soon, coming soon. I'm planning to do that in June. I'm actually getting the course ready right now. Awesome. So right now, do you do like, um, like how long is a session, like one session per se? I guess you have individuals come to you and ask for, you know, hypnosis for certain things. So how, how does that go, go right, about? Right. So a session is usually an hour long. Sometimes I go over if, um, if I feel that it's necessary, but I'd only charge them for an hour. And before we even get to the hypnosis part is we call it the pre-talk. That's some regular therapy. I sit down. What do you want to improve on today? Let's say I want to improve on my depression. Okay, how long have you had it? When do you feel triggered? I help you get to the root of the cause just within the talk, the actual sit-down therapy session. I explain why certain things happen. I explain why you're holding on to it. And once I do that, then we get ready for the hypnosis. The hypnosis part is really just to solidify everything. Most of the healing is doing is getting done during the pre-talk. That's the most important part of hypnotherapy. So when we see like someone getting hypnotized and we talk about the subconscious mind, obviously a lot of people that need healing or I'm probably most of us do, but when you're having that healing happen, do you find a lot of resistance because when you bring up and you stir these emotions of like maybe a past trauma or something similar, do you find they kind of wake up and, and they have this resistance to what you're trying to accomplish? Usually the resistance would be in the beginning just because it's new to them. They don't know what to expect. So that's why the pre-talk is the most important. I let them know exactly that they're in control. They don't even actually go to sleep. That's just a word we use to talk to your subconscious mind. We put you in a deep meditated state. And in that state, you can hear everything going on around you. And there's points where I even ask them questions and they can respond to me. So once they do that, I end up taking them to the past traumas, of course. But I want them to feel comfortable. I tell them that I'm here. I tell them that it's safe to go there. I tell them that once they actually allow the past trauma to come up in their mind, they can heal it. And it's only by allowing it that they can actually start the healing process. And most people that actually want to change, they let go immediately. Some, this resistance, I make them feel more comfortable. But there have been some that they snap out of it. It's too much for them. That's great, man. I think... Uh... You know, like this type of therapy is really, you know, it's helping people help themselves, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, right? So it's like, I, I feel like it's, you know, this is a an industry that's going to be, be booming. And, you know, if it's not booming already, it's going to be booming in a few years. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I've looked at a bunch of your videos, like uh, people doubt you and they don't they don't really think it's going to have an impact. And then you, and you kind of like get that satisfaction, like be real or do you get a satisfaction when people doubt you and then you're able to transcend them to their subconscious minds? Oh, man, I love it. I'm not going to lie. I love it. <laughs> I love bringing people into believers, man. Because I tell them it's not mind control. So if you don't think it can get done, 
there's nothing I can do. But if you're at least open to seeing it, it works every time. When you're like, say, planning to go out on an excursion where you've committed the day to meet people and practice your art to better yourself and help others, what's going through your mind? Uh, so first off, I kind of make a plan. If I go out in the streets and I say, okay, I want to get at least five people in the toss. Five, I usually get more than five, but I know five is my baseline target. So I said five people hypnotized. I wanted to get two people to stop smoking. I want to help two people release anxiety. And after that, I'm open to whatever comes next. But I do have to meditate sometimes because this is energy work. So sometimes I will help somebody get rid of their anxiety right on the spot. Then I walk away. I start feeling anxious. I start feeling short of breath. It's like I take their anxiety from them and they dump it on me. Before you started like practicing, did you feel you're a bit of an empath or is this something you've picked up along the way? Uh, I've always been an empath. I've actually been on a spiritual journey since I was 14. I had a mental breakdown and and I started questioning how the world works. I started paying real close attention and dove deep into spirituality. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I seen one of your posts you were talking about like reincarnating and like how many lives you know you can go back in your mind uh that was pretty interesting uh, yeah reincarnation has always been something interesting to me because at first i didn't really have a firm understanding of it and i didn't really have a take on whether or not i thought it was real but then when people tell me those stories and it correlates to the problems they have in their life now like for example i did a past life regression with somebody who was having trouble speaking in her mind. And it seems like every time she tried to talk up, she would say that she would hear a short, a little voice in her head just saying no. And it was, she would really struggle to express herself. But then we did a past life regression and she went back to a point in time where she saw that she was a slave. And she was a slave, she was on the auction block and she was one of those vocal, outspoken slaves. So she saw herself getting publicly humiliated by a slave owner saying her slave owner was saying, shut up, shut up. And she actually started breaking down right there. But after we did some purging and released it, she started posting more videos. She started speaking more. It's like she said a weight just got lifted off her and she could see how that past life intertwined into her current life and how she had to learn that lesson. So wow. you said you did some, like, looking into the past life, having to heal for regression of, you know, reincarnation and stuff. When people go through this, do you find that they're fairly open to the subject? Is this, a, like, a conclusion they come to themselves, or is it something you pick up? And then after do you kind of help them through the process of coping with everything that was just brought up? Oh, yeah, yeah. So some people, it's about 50-50. Some people are completely open to the process. Some people are skeptical, but then once they actually start going through the trance, because mind you, I'm asking them questions the whole way. Once they actually start going through the trance, I feel them easing into it more. So I would ask them, where are you at? I would say, are you inside or outside? They say, outside. I say, okay, when I count down from three all the way down to one, you're going to know what time period it is. Then I count down, they say it. Then I count down 
you'll know if you're a male or female countdown, they said. Then I'll say, what's going on? And then they explain in detail what's going on. I say, how do you feel? They explain in detail how they feel. I say, okay, there's three important messages for you. And when I count down, you'll know these messages. And I count down, they tell these messages and it correlates to what they said was going on. And once they, once I bring them out of trance, I talk to them again. They say they see how it is. They Some that explained it was skeptical say they, it gave them a new outlook on life. And um, as far as coping with it, I call them every week. I call them every week to check on their process and to see how they're doing and to give them tips. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, just curious, um, have you have you done some psychedelic experiences yourself? Oh, uh, yes. Actually, two years ago, man, I was heavy into psychedelics and I actually got some hypnosis done to, to kind of wane it off because I was so deep into why... Why do we do things we do? Why do some people suffer? I was questioning how the universe works. And I realized every time I did psychedelics, I would get profound answers, profound thoughts. But yeah. then it's like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Terrence McKenna. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and what yeah, he said, <laughs> and what he said when, when you're on psychedelics, dude, it's a self-limiting drug. So there will become a point where it tells you, I. You learned your lesson, hang up the phone. Yeah. And I definitely got told that. And I didn't listen at first. I tried to do it again. I had horrible trips. I was like, okay, yep. I'm done. Yeah, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people go through that too. Personally, I had an experience with uh, what really shifted my perception, what really changed uh, my reality was DMT and uh, psychedelics, drugs in general, because... I remember being young and experimenting with them and, and just thinking it was cool how it could alter your vision, kind of alter your reality of looking at things and, and just tripping it at all. But as I grew up and, and used it as a tool instead of an escape, I was brought so much wisdom and like knowledge throughout the experience. Yeah, I think I think that's really important that you said that is that a lot of people do use it, you know, not for the right purposes, right? They use it to trip and, you know, have, you know, uh, psychedelic visuals and, and weir weird experiences, but they don't really use it as a tool and they don't use it properly and they don't get that wisdom that uh, you do if, if you use it for the right reasons. And I completely agree with you because... When I was doing it, honestly, the visuals was cool for the first maybe hour. But then after that, it was a distraction. I'm trying to focus on the wisdom and maintain it. And I just started tripping out on the visuals. But I believe all plants and natural substances are teachers. You're supposed to use it to see what's possible and learn Ooh. how to get to that point and get that information without it. I like that. No, it's just like going to school. You shouldn't always need your teacher. If you have a great teacher, you should know how to do those lessons without them. I yeah. think to kind of receive those lessons, we have to be open in our mindset, though. And it's not even like so much being open, but I guess ready. Because like you just said, like first you're all visual, like all psychedelics, but 
once that passes or you reach a certain point in your life or maturity or whatever you want to call it, uh, it really opens some doors to understanding. And that's what I found in my life. And and I always feel like uh, psychedelics specifically, and I really like how you say like all natural medicine, because I'm actually uh, indigenous and pretty much we call all plants medicine. But um, I really like how you put that and, and in terms of, you know, not pushing the boundary, but using it to take in the information that's presented. Yeah, I feel that's major because, like I said, it shows you what's possible and you use it as a tool to get the information. You sit with the information and implement it into your life. And when you need a new lesson, that's when you take it. So I believe this could be a huge breakthrough in terms of therapy, in terms of rehab. I believe that natural plant substances within the next what, five, ten years would see a boom. Yeah. Well, it's already it's already happening, right? Yeah, that's why we're talking. <laughs> because there's a shift in society or thought or whatever it is where we're just seeing through the bullshit and we see there's better ways to do things and even what you're doing paul with the hypnosis is allowing people to access information that they didn't understand or know was possible and i feel that's where psychedelics and hypnosis kind of tie in because it's about accessing that subconscious mind it's about getting in tune to the higher you you want to connect i mean that's what pushed us to start this business to create this podcast to do everything we're doing right now because we're just sick and tired of waiting for the government for companies for people in general to do the right thing we if we have the tools if we have the mindset if we have the power inside like the strength i don't mean power like uh you know controlling people i mean power like you believe in yourself you know you create your own reality so through that we're able to access information that we might not have been able to from a a lower vibration for lack of a better term that's a great that's why i actually wanted to work with your company because that was one of my biggest pet peeves man it made me almost not want to be a businessman because i love business from a point but i realized once i actually got into the game itself is grimy it's really yeah. good a lot of people don't care about your feelings they even say take the feelings out of business they don't care about the actual people how can i make a buck and i see a big pharma and all these major corporations and intentionally poisoning people and causing a catastrophic rift between consciousness and uh it's just sickening for me but the fact that more people are waking up as you said and i know this may be controversial but i feel like covid that's one of the good things that come from covid that's one of the advantages that come from covid people get a chance to actually sit down and be with themselves start questioning their beliefs start actually exploring their minds to see what they believe in and what they got programmed to believe in 
A hundred percent. I think that backfired in the uh, powers that be's face. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> this big plan to lock down, but uh, it turns out we still got a lot of heart in us. So we use that time constructively. And at the end of the day, probably if there's no COVID, we wouldn't be here talking because it, it is exactly that. Why is why do you why is this mentality so pushed? Why are we so programmed? And I seen this. Uh, I think it was a meme, but it was just like it's like what kind of pandemic needs to be advertised twenty four seven to remind you it's there, you know? <laughs> and it's, uh, without diving too deep in it, it was just like duh. 100% like anybody can understand that like a real pandemic you don't people are dying on the streets like yeah, you know exactly. what I mean like that you don't need to be reminded every day even the TV has adapted it and it's honestly like I haven't I don't watch TV anymore because it's so programmed when do you get to see a TV show where people are pushing good vibes good agenda like you know, Lassie back in the day saved Timmy from the well. No, it's like I'd, I'd watch one show and, and in that show, you got a bully. You got your mom get beaten up. You got people just talking shit. There's COVID and it's like there's literally no good morals being pushed here besides a couple funny jokes. Uh, I saw the industry is, unfortunately, and it's been set up that way for years, but I think the good part of all this is what you said. A lot of people aren't watching TV anymore. So that gives the people the power, the independent producers, the independent creators the power now. Because there's people creating shows and creating videos, spreading positivity and love. But because of the powers that be and the, and the gatekeepers in Hollywood that control what gets put on TV, they get blocked out, they get blackballed. But now that the power is in our hands, so nobody's watching TV anymore. It's all on the internet. You can actually find what you want now. And when you mentioned programming, that's actually one of the things that shocked me the most. I always knew TV was programming, but once I actually got done training for hypnosis, I could see the language patterns they use on commercials and TVs. It almost, it was mind blowing. The very first day I learned I looked at the TV, the commercial, they're all using the hypnotic language patterns. They're all using different visuals and flashes to put in your subconscious mind. And I'm sat there thinking like, these guys are really hypnotizing us in broad day. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I just wanted to say too, yeah, like same thing um, when I'm watching, if I'm watching a like a Netflix show with, with my girlfriend and she's enjoying it, I'm just like, I'm watching what the the true, you know, meaning of it is and what the true intentions are of it. And it just makes me sick because I can just see, I can just see right through, you know, the, the programming. Exactly. It's, it kind of ruined watching shows for me, man, because once you actually aware of the tactics they use, you can't unsee it. Every show you watch now, as soon as something happens, you pick up on it. And you're yeah. looking around like, damn, you guys aren't picking up on this? I'm the only one noticing. I know. It's crazy. I know. That's I know, actually I know. really cool. Oh, sorry. But uh, it's really cool to hear from you because you're familiar with, like, hypnosis and stuff and how it affects the brain. And I'll tell you a funny story because I actually 
realized this when I was doing mushrooms one time and I was uh, watching TV and I was just like looking at them like every commercial has blue as a prominent color, like all the sales commercials and stuff. And I'm just like, I wonder if it's since I was on shrooms, well, I better look it up. Right. And it's like subconsciously colors ring bells in your brain. Right. And blue is the comforting color to make you feel relaxed, to make you feel safe. And, and so you think like when you, picture programming when you picture tv like this has all been thought about and planned to execute in a clean way that's unnoticed but also effective like even watching the kids shows like the channels and stuff it's it's crazy because you look at the commercials and they got all these like crazy white flashes and you can see little pictures like in the flashes and you're like if you're sleeping, it wakes you up. So you can't imagine like when you were a kid watching these shows and, and just kind of absorbing it all, right? Yeah. And we wonder why ADHD has been growing, why the razor ADHD has been growing, because exactly what you said, all these flashes and different quick changes, the kids' subconscious are picking it up. They might not even notice on a conscious level, but the subconscious are picking it up, shortening their attention span. Because every time something changes, your subconscious takes note. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, I just wanted to say, too, uh, another thing that ruined, like, ruined film for me is I actually did some background acting, like, mm-hmm. a few years ago. So just being, like, behind the scenes and, like, seeing the cameras and, the, you know, the action, the actors and everything that goes on, it just totally, like... I just when I watch films, I, I can just see what's going on in the background, and it's just not, uh, um, you know, not cool, <laughs> not interesting. <laughs> well, it, it, it's like it all runs back to the same agenda, right? Like when you really look at it, every show, every piece of movie, whatever, like they push the same morals, and it's about. Uh, you know, usually stress, fear, drama, that uh, like you can literally watch any movie and you'll see the same things. And I know like scientifically they say, uh, you know, people like dark shit, people, the numbers turn in um, when you when, you know, like they, they have the people that chase around the accidents and they film them for the news like people just tune into that. But how true is that? Because there's no good shit. So how are you even comparing? You know, like you're not you're not making movies about people that come from nothing and they and they make a beautiful life and there's no climactic negative shit. There's always you know, you got corrupted, you turn into a gangster, you there's just like the list goes on. It's never just a motivating video. I think that's actually because since we were kids, we've been told to go towards the light. Oh, don't do that. That's bad. Do this instead. Be good. Be good. So we've been told that we should only seek goodness and and light and positivity. But life itself is about polarity, the good and the bad. We should be able to recognize the bad. So since good has been pushed on us that we should be good, we should strive for good. Stay away from the dark. Once we actually get faced with darkness, 
is so new to us, it's so enticing that it's almost natural that we draw towards it just out of curiosity. I really like how you said that. The polarity. Um, I just shared something about this, but uh, I actually came to this kind of conclusion on a trip, actually. But it, you can never appreciate the good without the bad. And like as the universe exists, we're all one. And that means the bad and the good were together. And, and I think there's like a lot of books and it's kind of emerging, but like shadow work and dealing with that side of you, because at the end of the day, we all have those feelings and we think um, we try to stay aligned. But I don't, you know, I, I do disagree a bit with the good, because I think like you see the poster of good, like what the TV is painted as good or what's been depicted as good and it generally is like a nice house a family a car um you know that whole spiel but that's kind of what i was trying to direct at that like the good is just being together expressing personalities meeting new people expanding your mind and consciousness to understand and care um, more compassionately about just humanity in general and it's really cool because i just started this book by uh, albert einstein actually i should say i finished it and it's like he's from the 20s he's from the 20s and he's preaching this like literally this and it, and it's just like it made me feel that if you had a guy like Albert Einstein trying to push for world peace, spirituality, being connected with humanity, and he wasn't able to make a change, it's like, it's not so much like disheartening, because that's a word I don't like to say, but it's just like kind of makes you cringe knowing that it's been the same world for 80 years. Yeah, and like, it gets back to, you know, business, right? Business, people um trying to just trying to make money out for themselves but it's like is that really human nature have we have we got the chance to to try to figure out what our nature is when there's not um such stress on on everyone all the time and to die in with nature and polarity itself I like to go back to when you said we've been shit given this poster of what good is. And when we even look at nature, we think of the senses. People want to experience what sweet, salty, bitter, whatever. But this said, I noticed that in nature and in even food, the sweet foods is actually the ones that would probably kill you the fastest, even though it tastes the best. But the bitter <laughs> foods is what actually heals you, even though it tastes the worst. So they push, they advertise a lot of sweet foods when you walk in the grocery store, any store. The, probably the first thing you notice is all the candy aisle, the bright flashing lights. But then almost nobody wants to drink herbal teas. Nobody wants to drink anything that's healthy because it's got a slight bitterness to it, even though that's actually what's going to heal you. Yeah, and I think, you know, that that that's that goes for all all facets facets of life too it's like the harder the harder it is to do the better it is for you yeah. right yeah that's so true and and 
it doesn't always have to be hard though it's it's like to us it's hard because we're so conditioned to what's in front of us like if we grew up on broccoli and kale i mean we wouldn't give a shit but since we're surrounded by you know sweet treats fast food and quick stimulants that boost your serotonin it's like when you look at these things you compare and and so it's like why do i want to you know even though it takes the same time to cook or whatever but like why do i want to eat healthy because it doesn't taste what i imagine is good but when you, if you were able to introduce a uh, I don't want to say a system, but at least like, uh, you know, a knowledge of not just it's good for you, but why don't we kind of adopt the lifestyle? There's more to um, understanding the, the, the shit that we consume than just, you know, it's good for you or it tastes good or whatever, because something I've been reading lately is like, even blood type, when you have a different blood type, like certain blood types are, are, are used to different foods. Like it's, you know, say you're AB, you're highly uh, prone, and I'm not going to say everyone's into it, but it's statistically more likely that you might not be tolerant to certain foods compared to if you're a B blood or compared to if you're yada yada. So it's understanding like where we came from humanity because junk food is just a drug it really is all it's made to do is to make your body feel good so you can produce some you know chemicals in your brain that bring you back and and that's all it is like it's really just a drug and you look at the studies on sugar and stuff and i personally you know, grew up eating a lot of refined sugar by choice, but I was just always like a penny candy guy. You know, like have a have a bag of penny candies a day, and then by the time I was uh, reaching my mid twenties or late twenties, and I understood that it was not the best for you, I had these deep, deep cravings like for it like ritual cravings where it's like my body knows that i want sugar and it's like but i don't actually want sugar i want the refined sugar that gets my bud or my blood flowing to kind of reward my brain and and give me that boost wow I actually didn't know that about the blood types. Had some people being predestined to be drawn towards certain foods. But as far as the foods being a drug, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And to take it even a step further, I feel like that's why it's so hard, quote unquote, to switch to healthy foods. Because not only are you addicted to the serotonin and all the feel-good chemicals in the food, but from a young age, you probably attach that good feeling to happy to happy memories so yeah. for example when you're young when your birthday you eat a cake so you get boost with the serotonin from the cake and all the feel good feelings from that happy moment so now okay i remember sugar makes me feel good every time i ate sugar i was happy it was a happy moment so you're thinking it's the refined sugars that make you feel good when in tag is you actually attach to the moment and what I ask people to do, too, I say detach the moment from your favorite foods to see if it's still your favorite. 
Because sometimes certain foods you might only like just because, let's say, pizzas on Fridays. You know, on Friday you spend time with the family. Everybody was happy. Everybody together. So now you like pizza because you associate pizza with a good time. I and like you that. Sit back, if you sit back and you detach the memory from the actual food itself, you're going to look at the pizza. Some of you might look at the pizza like, I mean, it's all right, but this isn't even all that. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that I'm really glad you brought that up because if you think about all all the holidays, right, that we have, like like you said, the cake for the birthdays every year, you know, people drinking on their birthdays, um, overeating on on Thanksgiving and and Christmas and Easter and blah blah blah, right? All these holidays that we implant throughout the year to make us gorge out on food eat you know sugar drink alcohol and they've been like programmed into our lifestyle and into the calendar right? right the calendar year and if you know step back and just think about those things right like you said disconnect from those you know those good those feel good things and what what are you actually doing you're poisoning yourself with sugar you're poisoning your, yourself with alcohol and you know you're eating too much food which isn't healthy right and it's just we need to disconnect from 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 those things from good memories right we don't need that you're 100 percent right and i really like where you took that paul uh and i just want to kind of go on this a bit because i feel that that's a little easier said than done and where it goes to paul i really love how you associate like saying it's a memory or, or doing this but in my mind, I feel that it's like just pure, like, okay, no. So I get where you're coming from, Paul, like to say uh, you have a lot of memories associated. Like, for example, for smokers, when you wake up, you have a coffee, you have a cigarette. And then, then you've kind of associated like waking up, getting from I'm tired to I'm ready for the day to that you've attributed it to the cigarette and the coffee. So you've created that experience in your own head. But when it comes to like, you know, processed foods and, and, and just kind of the diet we, 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 we feed on all those foods are made to chemically like make you induced to feel good. Not, so much an experience because like you are right like when it comes to your birthday and you know you have your cake and stuff like that but it's like if i it's like say cocaine or crap i've never done like um any of these hard drugs but just like try to compare to a a high where you know people do these drugs and once you do them you can't really come back because you've experienced a different high. You've, you've experienced a part of life that you didn't know existed. And so like, say, even if we were able to get back to just eating whole foods, eating, you know, what's good for you at the end of the day, the guy with the, the you know, the fun dip He's going to be slinging those out of his teepee or whatever because it still gets your body high. It still gives you that kind of hook. And and it's like as humans, we need to understand that like people always chase the thrill. They always chase what makes them feel better. And so aside from all these crutches, it's about for me – 
just educating, just educating people to uh, actually forget the education because we're kind of going through that. But like options, options. Why? Why is it so hard to eat healthy? Why is it so hard to you know live a life like that? Um, it's just I, I guess I'm kind of like just having the wrong word to explain it, but I just feel like there's certain things we can't get away from, like processed foods. Ideally, we change the system when we cut it right out, but you're always going to have your drug dealer lurking in the shadows is what my point is. Yeah, well, I think it's up to, you know, the individual to to uh, recognize these things and choose feeling good in the long term rather than feeling good in the short term. Because obviously, like you said, sugars awesome you know drugs are awesome but at the long at the end of the long day if you you know eat clean foods and get some good rest you're gonna be better off i agree i feel like what you said about the education it does start young you gotta start it young if you choose to indulge in this poison you might feel good at first but this is what happens in the long run if you choose a healthy lifestyle, it might not feel good at first, but I guarantee you'll feel better in the long run. It's just like drugs. If you choose to do this drug, here's what you can expect in the long run versus if you choose to be sober. So at the end of the day, I feel like we just got to educate them. And it's up to it's up to them to be mature and to be disciplined, honestly. Once you got the education, it's a choice from there on. Yeah, yeah, 100%, Paul. I think it's just like we are not doing enough to start the education young where people even see the difference. Like, for example, all this shit that, that I carry right now, I can attribute to the universe and, and just wanting to learn more. Uh, you know, some things just come to you and you just know in your heart it's right. And some things you just find a passion for and you learn. And and, and so it's like when we think about, um, you know, putting processed sugars and stuff like that, like education, we're not tackling it. Like, look at this cereals. Look at the cereals we feed our children. It, it's like these companies are literally just selling sugar but it's for whatever reason been passed off as a whole breakfast you feel like that goes down to the actual education system and what they pay the what is it the medical researchers because as long as those guys say it's healthy that's what's gonna get taught to the kids in the long run yeah that's really cool actually because uh when you say that i um there's a book I read by this guy, Edward Bernays, and he's the guy that started public relations. He's basically, there was no thing before it. He's the guy that got fluoride in the water. Uh, he, he did a big, huge women's movement. Like, like this guy's changed perceptions. And, and his tactics were to, like you just said, infiltrate the respected science community and we're seeing this a lot right now and and don't get me wrong when i say this but 
like with our toothpaste tablets, uh, we've approached a lot of dentists and we explained like our vision and, and what we've used. And they're just like, yeah, it's good. Like, you know what I mean? According to the book, it's good. And, and so like we're getting a lot of uh, support from the dentist and stuff like that. But it's like I, sometimes I question because I'm like, you also support fluoride, which is actually a byproduct from a, an elitist mining company that they couldn't sell. So they found a way to sell it. And, and it's just really messed up because like a, literally a single drop of fluoride will kill a person. But, you know, we consider it safe at microdose. And, and it's like over a whole lifetime or even plastic. So you had BPB and then they're like, oh, no, that's poisonous. And they're like, OK, so let's do BPA. And then yeah. after 10 years, they're like, OK, no, that's poisonous. And so then now it's like no BPB, no BPBA. And, and it's just like, so what do you have in there? Yeah, all these companies do is they just, you know, create a similar a similar uh, compound and then they push it off with no studies and let just keep selling, 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 right? It's disgusting. We're actually seeing that right now with the COVID vaccine, right? Like literally, we're actually seeing that an untested, unregulated drug being pushed on everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get this podcast banned, but yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, underreported yeah. for for the adverse side effects, right? No, for sure. I'm not. I'm not trying to dive into it. All I'm just trying to say is, like, we're still seeing the rollout. How about five G? Then you know what I mean. A brand new technology that okay, arsenic, arsenic highly poisonous but allowed to a certain degree why because the earth contains it naturally and there's just no way to filter it out but when you talk about things like you know these chemicals that are artificially introduced into our diet they are completely removable but still the studies protect them and push the interest of whoever's selling yeah, well, I think, you know, it, it's it's up to individuals and, you know, people like us that are having these conversations to actually spread the word and stop, you know, stop spending your money on these on these products. Right. And then that's where the companies change. And even like the the cereal brands, like you mentioned before, like even all of them have over like the last 10 years, they're all a lot healthier right they're not they're not they're not really great you know in general as a as a as a breakfast but they're a lot healthier than they were yeah i mean it's a step forward but it is a, it's like i know we talked in the last podcast where it's like some of our competitors in the natural toothpaste industry uh tom's a main hello they sold out and, you know, now Colgate owns them, which is prime poisoner, prime poisoner. So then you got like these cereal companies and say, like, if you're going to talk healthier, the only healthy kind of healthy cereal I could say is like cashier or something like that. 
but they only lasted all of uh, two years and they sold to Kellogg's. So, I mean, it's like a lot of people preach the talk and they talk about wanting to introduce. Like, if you look at all of our competitors for the toothpaste right now, all of them sell the no waste, no plastic. Nobody says shit about trying to actually create change. To actually like get inside and have your voice heard. It is literally what do people want to hear? What is the market paying for? And how can we market it? Well, can I ask you a question? Why do you think it's being put so heavily in the West, especially Canada and the U.S.? Because I'm I'm African, my parents are from Africa, from Liberia. I have a friend in Israel, and we were talking. We said, when it comes to organic and how we go back to saying that companies just use a tagline and use keywords to promote and get more dollars. So when it comes to food and the chemicals they put in it, it seems like they put chemicals just to sell you the organic stuff. Because in Africa. They never even heard of organic. It's just food. They say a lot of them never heard of organic until they came to America. And even in Israel, like where my friend is, he said, food over there is meant to taste good. He said, American food is meant to be preserved. So that's why they put the chemicals in there. And a lot of times when I ask people that travel, they say when they go to places like France and Italy, coming from the U.S. and Canada, they'll tell them our food are a lot healthier and has less chemicals than you're used to. They tell them to eat less or you actually get sick. So it's to a point where when we leave the U.S. and Canada and go somewhere without chemicals, our body are so adapt to getting poisoned that when we actually take medicine, it makes us sick. So I start thinking why, especially in U.S. and Canada, is it getting pushed so heavy when I'm pretty sure other countries have chemicals, but not as much. Yeah. Uh, you know, my thoughts on that are that uh, these countries are owned by <laughs> other powers. And it's cool that you bring up Afri because, Africa because I'm actually familiar with some practices. And uh, the people that are involved with, um, you know, just day-to-day -day life that aren't caught in the programming, it's a very healthy diet. Um, I'm personally like uh, indigenous from Canada and, and it's like what was taught to us is, is very unattainable. Like so initially, you know, we raised to eat a certain way, but you can't get any of that at the grocery store. And I know there's some uh, a lot of healers coming from Africa because they are having the time to um, really you know, not just explore, but produce results and show people. I know like everybody talks about dark Dr. Sebi and, right. and I agree with a million things he says. I, I don't think I could change my diet personally to, you know, fit that, but the education, the knowledge and understanding that most of these illnesses, a lot of these illnesses come from our lifestyle. And, and then you look at the picture and you're like, oh, it makes sense. Why do they feed us shit and then sell us the antidote? Why do they do this? And they always got to fix it. Why? You know, because here's here's what I've kind of come to the. Wow. 
conclusion. <laughs> that was a tough one. <laughs> I've come to the conclusion for is that like we have the technology and this is actually something Gary and I and, and another friend of ours, uh, Nicholas, have been trying to figure out how to make it work. But like we are in an age now where we have the technology, we have the understanding of how to provide for people. And it's not just like provide. I can I can make you a thousand McDonald burgers an hour. But it's like we know now how to make an acre produce enough food for a thousand people. And and it's like as much as we learn, we're not switching over to all the info. We're not utilizing this new results and these new findings because there's a lot of money in being sick. <laughs> Man, and when you say there's a lot of money in being sick... Wow, this memory just popped into my head. My mother actually works for one of the biggest hospitals in the state of Delaware, that's in the East Coast. And the wing she worked on, she came on one day and told me that that whole wing got shut down. Not because there wasn't enough patients, but because it wasn't making enough money. Mind you, the wing was packed with patients, but because it's not making enough money, they shut it down. And that really just opened my eyes like, uh, nobody can argue that the health system is all about money at this point. How do you shut down an entire wing filled with patients because it's not making enough money? That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that's... Uh, I think, like, you saying that is uh, great because there's a lot of shady tactics going on in the healthcare system, especially in America. Um, I mean, even at the beginning of covid Let's not say COVID, but anyways, uh, doctors were being paid three times, like $300 for every COVID positive test they would give out. You can Google that. It's very public knowledge. And it's just like, why why are, are there initiatives to diagnose people? Why are there initiatives to people? Like, why does a doctor get a bonus if he's able to provide, you know, six open heart surgeries per month? But at the same time, he probably didn't have to do any of them, but he doesn't want to get fired. You know, like, why, why is there these initiatives to kind of like, like you said, private? It's not because it wasn't full, but it wasn't paying enough. So the the hospital's doing its duty. It's it's taking care of people, but whoever is sick fucking in the head, for lack of a better term, decided that this isn't enough. We need more money. That's what's going on in our world. That's what is taking us from a good world to a bad world. And, 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 and actually, you know what? Fuck, let me rephrase that. We want to go from this bad world to a good world. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to say, you know, like in business, there's, there's, we say that there's like a conflict of interest, right? And if there's, you know, a party that, you know, is spanning two, two different sides of the coin here. So basically like, like the healthcare system. So say Johnson and Johnson's, for instance, right? They got their vaccine rollout, right? They also create cosmetics, right? They create all these other 
products that you use in your home that you use on your body they're probably into food as well that you're eating and it's like that's a conflict of interest if you look at it objectively through a, a you know the the scope of business right so why why are these companies able to be pushing vaccines you know and giving you food and you know what i mean like doesn't make sense oh 100% you have any thoughts on this paul i said it doesn't make sense at all but we ask these questions and the sad part is it comes back to the same answers money and greed and power because agree no doctor should ever get a bonus for treating for giving covid shots and when it comes to the COVID shots in two, they don't know what they put it into these people. My mother works at the hospital. They literally just get a box of the vaccines and give it out to people. Nobody actually knows what's in it. For all they know, they could just be shooting you with water. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the mentality that we're battling though, right? And I don't even want to say battle because it's kind of shitty. Because a lot of these doctors, I don't think, realize they're caught in this big whatever you want to call it. I think a lot of people, and, and it goes back to the system. Because people sign up, they they have a joy to help people, and they they really care about people. So they become a doctor, and they spend seven or eight years becoming a doctor, and, and then you become a doctor and you realize it's nothing like what you thought. It's like very much politics. It's, it's who do you kind of impress? Who are you able to kind of grease? I personally know people that have tried to get into politics with a, with a vision to really change the world, to be so positive. They were so excited. And then within two years, they came out broken because they realized that who they are would never get them anywhere in politics. So it's like they have to, they get conflicted in the morals, whether they sell their soul or whether they keep pushing and trying to make a right change. I feel like once people get that far, they realize they look back, damn, the system is fucked up. But I've been working for years to get to this point. And I see that the fight I'm making isn't gaining any progress. So now I got a choice. I can either throw away years of my life that I spent getting to this point where I can sell my soul and just stick to the code. That's it, right? But a lot of people, like, you know, they get caught in. There's just so much programming and there's so much, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to make a lot of money. But let's go back to what you said about selling your soul. Uh, I think this is interesting. What what does selling your soul mean to you, Paul? I think, Gary, you can answer after. For me personally, uh, before I started hypnosis, I was actually in the music industry I was in. Uh, I used to work for an online radio station where we used to host uh, showcases for all the local artists. And just being in that industry, being in that scene, you realize, especially business-wise, you would have to go against your morals sometimes for the betterment of the company, for the betterment of what you're trying to do. But you'll get put in situations that make you uncomfortable and you have to action, you have to question yourself, how strong are your morals? What's worth breaking? How bad do you want to succeed in this scene? 
And to me, selling your soul is doing anything against your morals to where you can't even sleep at night, to where you change your morals so much you can't even recognize who you are anymore. Got to talk a certain way, got to play this game to reach a certain point. Is when you're not being your true, authentic self. If you're not being your authentic self, it's cool arguing. You're soulless. Yeah, I love that. What about you, Gary? Yeah. Yeah, I think he said it, hit the nail on the head with that. It's, ba you know, basically, you know, if you're if you're put into a situation and you're being pressured and it's not, you're not, uh, you don't want what's going on, you feel morally, you know, it's wrong and you still do it, that's you selling your soul. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you guys a story about, like, when I feel I sold my soul before all this, when I was growing up, <clears throat> I grew up like all the gangster shit and the lifestyle glamorized. And I was never that person. I was always more compassionate and caring and I like people. Um, but I always had a vision in my head that that's who I'd be to do, or do whatever. And we, that could be for a different time. And I convinced myself that this was the person that I wanted to be. I convinced myself that, you know, I was meant to live this life, the glamorous life, and just uh, getting into it. And then it's like the deeper I got involved, the more ruthless I realized it was. And and I stuck around because I wanted what I wanted. And, and I got caught in that. And, and it took me, like, waking up on my own to realize that I was just so fucking wrong. So wrong to to not only go against myself, but to shift my whole state of perception, of consciousness, to get caught into a scheme. And, 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 and it's just, like, looks or what people think of you. And, and I think a lot of, like... For me, like you definitely hit it on the head there, Paul, and 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 that's what to me, selling your soul means because so many times people come in with like a good intention or even as good people, but not knowing their intention. Like me, for example, um, I was always uh. I didn't like starting shit. I'd never pick on people like that kind of stuff. I'd always hang out with whoever was my vibe. But then I just like would see how that group was and I try to match it. And then it gets to a point where you look in the mirror and you don't even you don't even recognize yourself, right? And so at that point I literally remember just like looking and just being like, fuck. Who have I become? Right? Like this is not me. And so I took I took some time on my own, and I found myself again, and and all that energy that I had to try to be something I want, I've taken, and I've owned it for who I am, and I've literally just used the energy that I have. And I, I want to go back to I remember you're talking about ADHD. Right. This is something that I'm pretty sure I have. Um, I, I'm only self-diagnosed, but I just like, I can't sit still and my mind is always running. Um, but I feel like this is something that as a young boy or, or a child, whatever you want to say, I understood and I learned how to harness it because at the same time, if you want to talk spirituality and all that stuff, 
having an active mind to be, you know, caught in different situations and different perceptions is technically manifesting. It really is. So if you're able to, you know, kind of, and and this is always easier said than done, but to embrace that irregularity and learn to control it, it's definitely something in my eyes that can be harnessed because it's like when I have one thing going on, it's hard. But if I have five, like I feel level, you know, <laughs> and all that energy, all my mind, it's like all that scatter just turns into a beautiful picture. And it's just like ping, 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 ping. And I'm able to piece it all out, right? I think that's uh, an entrepreneur's mindset right there. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you say harnessing the power, the first thing I thought about was an entrepreneur using his overactive mind to think of different business ideas and how to solve different problems. Or not even just an entrepreneur, but just a person who wants to make a change in general. He just think about the good, all the pain in the world and how to solve it. Oh, 100%. So do you think maybe I mis misdiagnosed myself and maybe I'm just like full-blown entrepreneur at spirit? Or yeah, maybe that, that term is just a bad term and they should just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like that term is just a label placed on students who couldn't be controlled in school. Exactly. Students that just got yes. bored in a lot of school. Exactly. You know what? I feel the same about age. Uh, I just turned 31. Um, I don't want to say like I feel young, the whole cliche, uh, you know, like last year I was 18, but right. like I don't even keep track of time anymore. I really don't. Like, like for me, I have a goal, I have a vision, and I see it start to finish. And, and however long it takes me, I'm not tracking how old I am on that, you know? So right. when we think about like, you know, ADHD and kind of self-diagnosis, do you feel like there's an issue similar with age? Because when you talk to people, they're like, oh, I'm 30. I can't do this. I can't do that. Or, you know, they're like, yo, you're 30. You can still play with kids. You can still chase your dreams. You can still fucking do what you want to do. There's no uh, regulations or restrictions depending on your age. Yeah, that get, gets back to, you know, programming in the culture, right? People telling you, you got to do, you got to have these things by this time. You got to be this old for this. And yeah, it's just all garbage. Yeah, it definitely is. Especially with AIDS, I feel like it really just comes down to your mental aspect is, and how you treat yourself. Because you could be 30, but immature and acting like a 20-year-old, quote-unquote. But then a 20-year-old could be in a group of, 40 euros and fit right in. Yeah. How you how you conduct yourself and what you do with your life. Because honestly, if you're in a kind of lifestyle where you're draining all the time, you're going somewhere you don't like, you're eating unhealthy food, you're not working out, you're treating your body like shit, you could be 20 and feel like a 50 year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great up. Yeah, I just wanted to say, Garrett, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of people have, you know, gone through a similar story as yours. Like, you know, when you're growing up and you're becoming a man and 
you know, you're in high school and there's so, so many different power dynamics going on and you're, you're trying to find out, you know, who you are and what you're made of and trying to create a vision for, for yourself as, as a man going forward. You know, a lot of people, they, they fall into wherever the power dynamics are. And that's usually is not in, you know, into a great, uh, group of friends. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really like how Paul put it. I really like how Paul put it saying it's like, uh, you know, it's not always considered, you know, like when people label something saying that somebody's a certain way because you have energy that can't be harnessed, it can't be controlled. And I guess that's just kind of what I was trying to preach there is like, in my mind, there's no such thing as ADHD. Everybody I meet, they ask me, like, do you have it, whatever, because, like, I always got a leg bouncing or my trayer's rocking. But it's, like, in my mind, I'm centered. I don't – that word doesn't exist. Like, right. like in my mind, there's – and this is something that I truly believe. Like, there's words like awkward, boring, fucking, you know, hyper. Like, that. that is just – that is programming. There, there should be no bored. There should be no awkward. Like, awkward – yeah, it has a place, but why? You know, like to be awkward is is often for people just being themselves and scared how people are going to react to it. Yeah, or other people judging them on how they're acting, right? It goes almost like a crab in a barrel mentality. We're all supposed to act a certain way. We're supposed to be uniform. So you see someone actually embracing who they are and want to step away from the crowd. It's almost like we attack them just to make us feel comfortable. You see, you yeah. see that a lot, and, it, and you just turn on the TV and look at reality TV and look how hard everyone hates on the Kardashians. And don't get me wrong; I mean, uh, reality TV is something I despise. I think that that is the pure essence of programming to to be so sucked into the the program that you're actually concerned about someone's life on TV. But back to the point, it, it it's just like these people, we get off on just judging. Like I shouldn't say we, but like it seems humanity in general, they don't care what's going on. They just want to have something to compare their own life to. And I feel like us as three men that are, are, you know, fairly conscious. Um, it's easier for us to talk about, but I think we forget a lot of times people are very in the dark still. And they don't even like, you know, people are still talking about two weeks ago, bachelor episode about how buddy winked at this chick. And, and it's like, you know what I mean? And I think not that's where the education comes in that's where like the system comes in because we're 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 put in this system where you have to either you know work every day or go to school every day and you're not pushed to see where your own passions lie see where you excel see how you can better the earth so we see this picture like we spoke about and then we compare it to what's on tv and and that's where a lot of this and then it just feeds itself and and if you really look at it it's like they're not trying to program us they're trying to bring out the worst in us 
Can you expound on that? Yeah, definitely. So when you think about, okay, so I live my life. I go to work. I got a family. I, I try to start this business, yada, yada. You go to work, whatever you do, you're trying to, you know, practice your art, you're exploring your passion, and so you're living your life. But when you turn the TV on, you are seeing people living that routine, that program. And then so when they do it differently than you, since it's so close to your, I shouldn't say you, but personally, or not personally, but like generally people, it's so close to their lives, they have no choice but to compare and be like, you know, like at the end of the day, um, you know, my, my, my fiance, she watches Kardashian. And it's like sometimes you catch her being like, like, how dumb is she? Or like, you know, how could you not figure that out? It's always easier to judge other people. It's always it's like when you watch a hockey game. Yeah, like, why didn't you make that? When you watch the UFC, like, oh, yeah, I would have done a right hook. I would have knocked him right out. It's like, buddy, you would have got your fucking head smashed in. You wouldn't have done nothing. Like, just shut up. You know what I mean? And so it's like we're so uh, kind of like programmed to think that we're like entitled and we deserve shit. It's like people need to be fucking humbled. You need to understand that. Yo, you ain't shit. You're just a little piece of a speck of nothing in a universe of infinite possibilities. And your your whole existence will never even amount to, you know, a, a, a piece of dust on a finger. And no matter how much you accomplish. And, and I don't mean this in, in a disrespectful way. I don't mean it in a rude way. But all I'm saying is like even us here right now, say tomorrow the whole world listened to this and the world changed in the whole scheme of the universe, like it is nothing. But here we are watching TV shows being like, yo, that bitch looks ugly or, you know, like, uh, how could that ugly guy do that? Or that guy would never get with her. Or how can he afford a pool? Like he doesn't even work. He just sits there and talks. And it's just like, you have no idea. We have no idea. This is a TV show. Yeah, well, I think it just goes back to discipline and, you know, doing hard things. You know, people are pretty delusional nowadays, like you said. People are watching sports and watching fighting and thinking that they're something, they're going to do something. You know, people have deep delusions nowadays. And what keeps people humble is doing hard things, right? But how do we push it? Like, so, Paul, talk to me. You're having, so you, you go out on the street and you find someone and they're like, hey, Paul, like, this shit ain't going to work on me. Uh, you know what I mean? I've seen it in the movies a million times. This shit, I don't believe in it. And, oh, actually, that brings me to this. Why do you snap your fingers? Oh, that's just to get you to focus. Is I it do to that activate the senses? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Because when I'm talking, as soon as you hear that snap, your subconscious immediately takes note and that puts emphasis on a word. Like, for example, if I say look and snap my finger, you put extra attention on that look. So you're going to actually, it's more likely you would do what I say. Yeah, no, that's 100% because it literally you've 
hooked in my subconscious mind and then I had to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why does it always snap the fingers, man? Oh yeah, literally, I can do it without snapping my fingers. It just helps to put every extra emphasis on my suggestions. So, so Paul, where do you, where do you ahead. see the the hypnosis industry going in the next ten years? Honestly, I think it'll be a lot more research based. I feel like people who go through going to hypnotherapy will be almost as common, if not more common, than going to a regular therapist. Because a regular therapist, over you see the results over time. Of course, hypnosis, you see the results a lot faster. Depending on how serious it is, you might see it instantly. So as far as research, though, there's a lot that hypnosis can do that we haven't even touched the surface yet. Like, I, say, love, I love that you said regression. that. I was thinking, like, with all this groundbreaking work and, you know, psychedelics... It's only a matter of time before hypnosis comes next. Exactly. Like one thing that's really interesting to me right now is the terms of dream interpretations. Because I believe yeah, dreams is just our subconscious mind giving us messages sometimes. And even in psychology, uh, psychologists are still skeptical on what dreams actually are. But I want to see if we can get... Um, a hypnotherapist with somebody that does virtual reality and pretty much recreate someone's dreams, walk them through it to see what kind of message they get. What do you think a dream is? I believe well, there's different parts. There's definitely just some random dreams, but I do believe dreams or your subconscious mind, either your subconscious mind or spirits, whatever you want to believe in, I believe it's you getting the message and you working things out in the realm where you couldn't usually do it in the physical realm. So you said like whatever you want to believe in. Like what do you believe? Like me personally, I believe dreams are... <clears throat> I think they can have a meaning. I think that dreams that resonate with you definitely need to be noted. But I also feel like sometimes your brain just gets confused and tries to make sense of things. And like, like me personally, I have a lot of dreams of like just really random experiences. Like I'll be a, a lot of flying, a lot of like a show up, the cops are there, you know, we're having a big shootout or something like <laughs> my dreams are, can be random. But there are times where I wake up and I remember my dream and I'm like, is there a meaning to that? But I also kind of try to step back because it's like I don't want to put too much energy or thought into like making assumptions about my dream because I just don't understand it. So what's your kind of thought on a dream as a whole? As a whole, I feel like your dream is telling you what you either need to fix in your life now or what's to come. Because I had a dream before. I, I used to write down my dreams every day. I used to wake up at three in the morning out of my dreams, write it down every day, and I would get the messages from the dreams. And a lot of those messages actually helped me fix who I am now. And some of those messages were premonitions telling me what's about to happen, and they actually did. But I'll give you one example. I had a dream that it was me and a couple of friends of mine. And was, these were the guys that I used to do drugs with. We was going somewhere to go get some drugs. 
And then someone came up and they was telling us about a party and there were some girls there. And, you know, we was going to those girls to do whatever we do. And then all of a sudden there was a big dog game, a big, dark looking dog with devilish teeth, just sharp raising teeth. It started chasing everybody. They guys, those guys, my friends I was with at the time jumped over the gate. I tried to jump over the gate. I didn't make it and the dog devoured me. And then I wonder, I was like, what does that mean? And then a thought came immediately. Sex and drugs would be my downfall. And at the time it resonated because I was heavy into drugs, especially psychedelics and new weed and then chasing sex. But once I actually changed that around my life, man, better have been more focused, more disciplined. That could just be me assigning a random meaning to it. But I do believe if you're open to it, dreams and definitely give you a message. But I do also know sometimes, depending on how tired you are, what you eat, it might just be a random message. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's really cool about the way you say that, though, that I like is that, uh, you know, maybe sometimes your dreams are meant for nothing more than just to wake up and have that epiphany. You know what I mean? Like maybe your dream doesn't mean anything, but all it was meant to do is for you to wake up and and, and figure it out on your own and make your own kind of decision there. Yeah. Yeah. And another another thing that I used to think is just maybe dreams are is just a way for you to pack more experience into one lifetime. Ooh, yeah, I like that. I like that. A lot of people right. actually think that like it's an alternate reality. Oh, I definitely think so because yeah, you've sure. heard of lucid dreaming where people can actually control their dreams. Some people can't control their dreams and create certain things in their dreams, and some people it's like they watch a movie. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever done that? I've done lucid dream. As far as watching it happen, I'll be aware that I'm dreaming, but. I haven't gone as far as creating experiences. I know yeah. people who've done it, but I. Me like manipulating it to like kind of control your dream. Yeah, but I, was, I had been to a point where I, I was fully aware that I was dreaming and pretty much just watching it play out. Well, I've I know been Gary able has to, a very vivid dream, so I'm sure he'd love to explain one. Yeah, I've been able to do like the, the lucid and control it like about four times in my life. Wow. That's about it. But yeah. Do you like, really, did, you, did you prep yourself before? No, no, just, uh, but I was at the time I was being like very mindful about like when I would wake up, I would think about my dreams, you know, right away and, you know, have some water before bed and stuff like that. So it's just mindful about, about the preparation, I guess, but nothing, so nothing. Yeah. So can I ask you guys this? What do you guys believe in as far as um astral projection or astral travel? Oh, uh, I think that's the universe, bro. I like okay, so you want to talk astral projection like like a dream and uh, and then it's just like as far as you can put it. But if you talk astral projection like your existence, which it means to me I literally think this whole uh, existence, and I've actually come to this conclusion on psychedelics a couple of times, and it was like when I've done them, I'm like, I feel myself in the universe, and it was like I've tried my harness to animate myself to live this life. Like, I, I feel like 
I was just caught in the universe for 10 million years and I've been figuring out my consciousness for those 10 million years and I was finally able to harness a thought to make this life happen. I like that. That's deep. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, but... think, I think people nowadays, like a lot of people talk about astral projection now. Like it's... Yo, the CIA actually did a study on this. This is actually a true thing. The CIA, and if you look it up right now, you can look up astral projection, and they say it exists. And they used to try to use it to spy on other countries. Oh, yeah, my buddy. Literally look it up. Yeah, and it's like a literal 30-year project, and they swear it exists they would get people to astral project in different parts and 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 they would be able to recite it or replicate it with like very precise accuracy mm-hmm. uh, gary what were you gonna say too yeah i was just gonna say like i think a lot of people just like they talk about it in a very like shallow understanding of what it might be right so like I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm sure I'm sure it does. But uh, I think for the most part, like that the trending narrative of it is is not very well understood from what I've seen. Can I just interject? Okay, so let me. Uh, what I want to say is, you're right, Gary. A lot of people think astral projecting, like I can see my body and sucked out. But I want to make note of this. Anytime you close your eyes and you're able to see a face or some kind of, you know, a location that you were not there, that's a possible astral projection in my eyes. And it, and it might just be a blurry fuzz, but like a lot of times when I go to sleep, I see her, like right before you fall asleep, you kind of get these like flashes of you know, anyways, but I, I, I feel personally that. You know, it's like you said, Gary, it's not the stereotypical, like attached at the umbilical cord, um, you know, watching yourself pull out. But I, I definitely do believe that astral projection is a real thing in terms of being at two places at once, closing your eyes and allowing your consciousness to drift. Yeah, well, there's definitely uh, like consciousness can can move for sure. <laughs> So I actually had a couple funny experiences with that. And I do I agree with you guys as far as the seeing your body. I feel like that's real, but I feel like it has to get to a certain point. And I don't think too many people are actually at that point where they can see their body leave and actually have that clear and that vivid of image. DMT. <laughs> that's on my list that's on my list definitely. oh man it'll change your life it literally changed but, your um, life too as far as being able to see put your consciousness in two different places at once i full hardly believe that because before i even started doing hypnosis me and my buddy i was really interested in astral projection it seemed it was really fascinating to me my buddy said that he could do it and he did it all the time and I wanted to test it out. So yeah, we found this guy in meditation on YouTube. I played it. I had a master project. He said, yeah, man, I, I was walking around. He's like, I'm not walking around, but I can see different um, different images of parts of your house. 
And then they had me curious. I said, okay, boom, we're going to try it again. So I did it again. He went under, but I told him, I said, this time I'm going to write something and put it in a part of the house. And I want you to see if you can see it and say what you say what you saw while you was astral projecting. So I'm thinking just experiment. I wasn't expecting anything to happen. I wrote the color red. I went and put it in my room upstairs. He was he was in my basement when he did it. I came back and he said, "Yo, I saw what you wrote." I'm like, ah, bullshit, you know, bullshit. I'm thinking I'm still skeptical. He said you wrote red, and he told me exactly where I put that card that I wrote it on. <laughs> wow that's crazy yeah yeah so, i'll actually send you guys a link for that so we can check it out after yeah and so i want to do some research with hypnosis trying to get people to actually project and see what we can push our subconscious mind to see how many people can actually project and actually read what i write down just just out of curiosity, you know, I'm not expecting anything. I just want to see what's possible. I think with your like hypnosis, that would tie in really well, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it definitely does because I was I took people back to past life, and I can make someone think that. Um, that's for example, you're looking at a water bottle, and you know, a water bottle is on the desk. I can make you think that that water bottle is invisible, and it. To your mind, it will be completely invisible. So I'm thinking, if I can make something clear as day disappear, can I make you see something that isn't physically here? You know. You know what I feel though, like like you even touching on that is like, mm -hmm. say you are able to master it and control it. What's mm -hmm. to say that's what hasn't already happened with the system that exists? Mm. Wow. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. well obviously you have good morals and, and beliefs behind it and you're trying to do and spread some light which is why we're talking but like maybe somebody has already understood that you know I think so too because when you talk about um, brainwashing and um, even yeah brainwashing and MK Ultra. One technique they actually use is hypnosis, but they use it on the darker side. And the way they use hypnosis, they use shock, drama, repetition, and drugs. That's why when you see these celebrities on who get accused of being on MK Ultra, if you see when they get triggered, the eyes just look dazed, they're in a trance. So they get your body tired for all the partying to wear down your subconscious and to make you more suggestible, susceptible to obeying their commands. Then they get you on drugs. So now your subconscious is weakened, your brain is weakened, and they use shock or trauma to put you in that trance. And once they do that, they got you. Yeah, definitely. Um, man, you know, it's like, it's funny that we're able to kind of you know, take all this in and, and try to make our best assumptions and, and conclusions about everything. But it's like the sad part of reality we'll never know. We really will never know. With that note, I just want to ask, Paul, because we should probably start, um, you know, winding down and getting ready for an end here. Like, what's some good news in your life? What's something that's going on that you're proud of or you're happy to, you know, just share some positivity with the world? 
okay, some great news in my life. Some great news in my life. I've actually got I got over fifty hypnosis sessions done just since I've been in Arizona. So that's four. That's four months. I got over fifty hypnosis sessions done. Over four months. Over one month, I got a hundred street sessions done in one month. And <laughs> my man. On top of all that, though, the most important thank you. The most important thing is people came back to me and told me how much it worked, how much it improved their lives. I got people that was on drugs come back and told me that they haven't touched it. They looking healthier. They told me they got jobs now. People that I haven't touched not smoking came back and told me that they haven't smoked anymore. They haven't drank anymore. So that's what's actually the proudest moments for me. Forget all the accolades, just the fact that. I'm getting proof of people coming up to me telling me that it worked. It lets me know that I'm doing something right and that I'm making a difference. Congratulations, man. Honestly, that's why we wanted to have you on here because I could sense your vibe. I could see the light, like on the conscious alignment. I think we're very similar in wavelength. And, and we're all trying to just accomplish something in our different ways to bring light to how things could be better right and and that's what we're trying to do here at good world podcast at good organics we're just trying to show the world like toothpaste it's existed for 100 years it's been paced for 50 and yet we just have never thought to expand our mind or expand our reach and how can we do things better and, and i'm sure a lot of it has to do with greasing and money and motivation but people like us are making this shift now. Yeah, and I just commend y'all for even doing that because it's something something so simple as toothpaste, something we use every day that nobody even sat down and thought, how can we make this better? How can we make this healthier? People always want to jump to the biggest, the biggest change and the biggest surprises, but at the very basic level, you wake up, you brush your teeth. That's how you start the day. If I can make this process better and healthier, that means I can have a healthy and great start to my day. I believe in what you do first thing when you wake up sets the tone for your day. And the law of attraction, if you wake up and not feeling right, <laughs> it's probably going to be a rough day for you. You're going to manifest different um, situations to make you feel angry or to make you feel down. But if you wake up, you start brushing your teeth with something healthy, putting positive chemicals in your body, something, then that's just setting the tone to um, creating situations that will make you feel even happier, creating situations that can improve your health. So I feel like I commend y'all for doing something that we all do and starting yeah, off positive. Yeah. That's That's really appreciated, brother. It really is. Uh, yeah, I'll take this moment to commend you as well if we're going to share the love here, man, because uh, I really wanted to chat with you and pick your brain because I just love what you're doing. I love that you have a conscious awareness while you're actually trying to take this shit to the streets. You know what I mean? You're not just sitting here preaching gospel and you're not uh, just oh, this is the way to do it, you know, get hypnotized, you'll quit everything. You're really trying to educate people in this process. And, and that's why I wanted to pick your brain tonight. And I'm really happy with how this podcast went. And, and I'm just going to say that I appreciate you being here and I'm grateful for you being here. So thank you for being here. And uh, man, 
just keep that vibe high. We're 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 really just trying to do the same thing. And, and I know you said chemicals. Um, we are we are fed chemicals. It's fucked up. It really is. And and every time we have a conversation like this, who cares if one or a million people listen? We are trying to bring light. And that is important. And people need to, not just people, you. And I'm talking to every listener listening right now. You need to take this into your heart and really evaluate how you're living your life. How am I choosing to create a better world? Fuck a better me. A better world. Because everybody's so focused on me, me, me. And and that's why where we are right now. So when we get together and we and we ponder and, and we just brainstorm better ways to live, just one of those ideas, if they catch, I'm good. I'm good, right? Exactly. Yeah, and like you said, like you said, Garrett, you know, the more that we, we do have these conversations and spread that positive light, you know, more people will listen and they will take it into their hearts and they will create the change that we need, right? There is the people are out there and they do want the change as well. Yeah, and let's not forget manifestation, right? <laughs> Every time we say that shit, it goes out in the universe. And that's why it's so big to actually have these conversations. And I feel like the people at B know this and they try to keep us distracted. And for that specific reason, if we come together, we have these conversations, like what you said, manifestation, we're co-created. Even if we come up with a bunch of radical changes that may never work, as long as we co-create one idea that hits it's going to spark a wave that's because it, of brother. manifestation. That's <laughs> it. No, that's, that's actually it. And, and, you know, just us having these conversations um, makes people think, right? So with that being said, one love to everybody. Paul, it's been such a pleasure having you on, man. I've really been wanting to pick your brain for a couple of weeks now. Gary, thank you for being here. As always, one love to the everybody listening. One love to the universe. Uh, check us out. Go to Organics Company. Paul, do you want to uh, roll yourself out and get any words in last? Go ahead. Okay. Gary and Garrett, I appreciate you guys for having me off here. I had a great time talking to you guys and really just coming up with questions that people don't usually ask enough. Yeah. Because people ask it, but it's not enough. So I want to thank you guys for even creating this opportunity now to shed light on people. And you can follow me at Speak Life Hypnosis on Instagram at Speak Life Hypnosis. My goal is to help people realize how strong their minds is and help them improve. I use yeah. hypnosis to teach about philosophy and spirituality because I feel like they all go hand in hand. 100%. You guys go smash that like button or that follow button because, you know, we're, we're all on a similar wavelength. And if you're listening to this right now, then, then you know, we, we're all brought together for a reason. So uh, with that being said, one love. Uh, take care, everybody. We're out. Thanks for listening to Good World Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. 
Um, any last words, Gary, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Paul. It's great, great meeting you. We'll keep in touch and have you have you on again. Oh, I'm looking forward to it, man. This is a great time, and there's definitely need to be more podcasts like this. <laughs> need to be more companies like y'all actually have a conscious <laughs> and want to make a change in this world. And I just want to give you one more thanks, Paul, for uh, being here, man, because it really elevated the spirit. Every time we have a conversation like this, fuck what goes on in the world. Me personally, it expands my perception and it makes me grateful to be aligned with people like you having these conversations. So, you know, even if whatever, man, just know that I appreciate this conversation and I appreciate uh, getting to know you as a person. So on that note, everybody, we love you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to A Good World Podcast. And as always, we're presented by Good Organics, so follow us on all social media at Good Organics Co. We wish you the best and hope you have a great day. Bye-bye. Adios. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do.